Did you know that a government-incentivized hospital protocol has led to the deaths of untold numbers of unsuspecting people? The Association of American Physicians and Surgeons noted, We now see government-dictated medical care at its worst in our history, since the federal government mandated these ineffective and dangerous treatments, and then created financial incentives for hospitals and doctors to use only those approved and paid-for approaches. The book, The Protocol That Kills, exposes the lethal regimen adopted by hospitals to maximize profits at the expense of patients' lives. This exhaustive expose provides a first-hand account of the protocol in action as it was invoked on an otherwise strong and healthy 52-year-old Rob Skiba, who was diagnosed with a viral infection by the admitting hospital. Within 40 days, this valiant Army veteran who had sworn to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, had fallen at the hands of a government-incentivized domestic enemy. This over 400-page true crime story uncovers every aspect of this lethal protocol in action, despite the protests of Rob Skiba and his wife. It includes disheartening text messages from Rob who was locked away from his wife because she was forbidden to enter the hospital in the name of the protocol. Lawfully recorded detailed conversations his wife had with doctors, therapists, nurses, and hospital staff. Numerous pages extracted from the over 5,000 page hospital record that exposed the protocol that led to his tragic death. The testimony of a medical expert who provided his detailed analysis of the case invaluable and timely insights of a legal counsel who provides the story behind the story by providing crucial details and evidence along with over 100 citations from clinical studies, medical journals, federal regulations, and relevant books and articles that prove Rob did not die of natural causes but due to the perpetrator's insistence that he follow the mandated and inhumane protocol that kills. As Richard Bartlett, MD, says, this book shares a wealth of critical insights that will greatly aid in preventing future needless losses of life. The purpose of this book is to sound an alarm of a clear and present danger, as this lethal protocol is still being used against patients in hospitals all across America, and to provide you with essential insights that can help save your life or the life of someone you love. To be forewarned is to be forearmed. Get a copy today at theprotocolthatkills.com. Welcome to the Days of Noah podcast, where we talk all things biblical, supernatural, and strange. Today we post part two of The Protocol That Kills, our interview with Roberta and Alan Stalvey, along with Sheila Skiba, the widow of Rob Skiba. This is such an important topic to understand and to share with family and friends, not only because of what happened to Rob, but because his story was likely repeated thousands and thousands of times across our country and our world even. And one thing we want the listeners to really understand is how this entire medical industrial complex 
this entire controlled system, incentivized care, liability protection, this entire system was something that was created way back with Rockefeller and Rockefeller being one of the satanic Illuminati bloodlines that Fritz Springmeier outlines in his series of books on that topic. And so when we connect Rockefeller to the Federal Reserve, Jekyll Island, what Tim Bentz dealt with with the Canaanite altars there, and that powerful interview that Rob Skiba had with Tim Bentz years ago, we can really have a picture of just how evil and just how insidious this system is. And this is a satanic system. There's no getting around it. And Fauci and Bill Gates and all of that plays into why Rob died and why so many others died. And it had nothing to do with getting sick. It had everything to do with the system of care that our medical system is. And that, again, is something that Rockefeller envisioned and created. This is their playbook. I mean, you go back to the 80s when they pressured Reagan, uh, the vaccine manufacturers, to to pass um, the act that protected them against liability because they were losing money case after case from vaccine injuries. Right. So this is their playbook is is to stack the deck. And um, and of course, we know the emergency authorization uh, was totally fraudulent because the only way that you can get something like remdesivir, something like um, these untested vaccines pushed on people is to say there cannot be a viable option otherwise. And we know, you know, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, quercetin, zinc, these things were working. Um, and and Fauci, Fauci purposely uh, suppress those things. They created a f- they created fraudulent studies. You know, t- two of the most prestigious medical journals in the world, the Lancet, British Medical Journal. They had to retract uh, the study they did because they were giving lethal doses of hydroxychloroquine when they knew better. I mean, these things have gone on. This is this is their playbook. It is. Um, and they do scenario planning, too. They wargame this stuff. There's evidence that that this was pushed forward. Bill Gates was involved with it. Um, but I want to speak real quick to, um, you know, Luke, you mentioned kind of the the shaming and all of the stuff that was involved. Um, there's a laundry list and I and I, of alphabet uh, organizations. And I just want to read this to people to get of sense of how much this protocol and what they were pushing. Um, they, they had all of these uh, organizations and people on their side uh, in lockstep to, to push the protocol that kills. The CDC, the FDA, the NIH, NIAID, which Fauci was ahead of, Unitaid, uh, American Medical Association, American Pharmacists Association, World governments, the WHO, Bill Gates, pharmacies, you couldn't get prescriptions uh, that you wanted filled for ivermectin and others, doctors and nurses, 
And again, when I'm saying all these, I'm not saying every person at all of these organizations is evil. But what I'm saying is there are people that run these organizations that call the shots that are incentivized and pressured to fall in line. Okay. So that doesn't mean there aren't good doctors and nurses and good people at these organizations. Insurance companies that would deny certain care, big pharma like Merck and Pfizer, politicians, HHS, the DOD, DARPA, CIA, the Pentagon, medical journals around the world and their media, mainstream media, of course, and social media. You know, the censorship that went on was Orwellian to the extreme. And then another term that in Robert Kennedy's book, they call the medical PIs or principal investigators. Okay, these these were the boots on the ground. These were the 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 army to basically uh, grease the skids for everything that they wanted to push and everything they wanted to suppress. And these are the lobbyists and researchers uh, at universities, uh, medical board members promoter of pharma interests, uh, clinical trial manipulators, media talking heads, medical journal influencers, public health officials, uh, basically Big Pharma's mouthpiece army. Um, And they were there to control the narrative to ensure passage of favorable outcomes. And it's essentially, you could coin it as the medical industrial complex. And this, this is what we were up against. This, this is something that they built over decades uh, to be able to create this system that did to Rob and many others what they did. And this system still survives today. So we have to rise up. We're, Rob always said there's more of us than of them. So if the grassroots people will bind together then we have a chance to survive. I, I want to maybe take a, a look at this from a, maybe a global vantage point. Um, yeah. Because obviously the people that were wargaming this, that were planning this, that was, and then, and once we've gone, lived through this, are analyzing the data. We know it's taking place, mm-hmm. you know, for the next time, what could we have done differently? How are we going to affect those uh, people that still refused to follow the narrative? You know, what was, I mean, in my mind, it's very easy to say, take freedoms away. That's that's one, I mean, you look after 9-11, all, there's many different opportunities where they ch- say, well, we need this law passed. It's in your best interest, but really it's, it's tightening, tightening, tightening things down. Mm-hmm. And, but this was a global effort. So I don't know. Do you guys want to speak to what you're thinking on what was the, the end game? What, why, why were they pushing all this stuff? And unfortunately you were in the crosshairs, you know, on a local level, but there's a bigger issue going on that that it fits into the days of Noah, fits into the end time global government and the return of Christ and the Antichrist rise into power. So there's there's something sinister on the 
horizon. You're 100% correct. And, and just as um, our creator says that he has to tell his uh, prophets what he's going to do before he does it, I feel like those are the same roles that the enemy has to do. So Klaus Schwab wrote the great reset uh, COVID-19 and laid out exactly what his plans were. And so it was it was to control the people. It was to get them surveilled. It was to get them in, you know, 15 minute cities. It's where you will own nothing and be happy. He even went as far to say as the vaccine is going to change you inside of you. He, he, right. he admitted that. So, you know, Rob was all about, um, like you said, the Nephilim and very much into genetics. He did the Archon Invasion book. And, uh, you know, it explains all this. When we when we, when our DNA is messed with, we are not we are no longer made in his image. So it talks about uh, those that were um, not written in the book of life will go into the pits of hell. Well, those are people or things that were created from, from the fallen ones, not from the creator. So yeah. this is all leading up to that last scenario where all of creation is getting jacked with genetically. And, um, you know, a lot of people, they're not reporting on the, on the deaths of the people that did get the jabs either, because they're, they're, Thousands. I mean, life as we know it will soon be be totally different because they're not reporting how many well children are dying at five years old with heart attacks and you know people are dropping dead at uh, you know um, sport events. I mean, it's nobody's talking about it. So it yeah. all goes back to the days of Noah. Yeah, and I, it, it it echoes and it, you said Nuremberg. You think about the propaganda that the Nazis were experts at. Mm -hmm. They duped their own people in a lot of ways. And, they and but this was a global effort of propaganda, a global effort. And and they're they're perfecting it. They're perfecting. Like you said, this was basically a, a global um, clinical trial with the mRNA vaccine and the DNA and the, the nanobots or whatever they use to to weaponize, to make that work. You know, weaponize. Exactly. So. I don't know. As believers, we got to be awake. We got to be awake that this is going on mm -hmm. and resist and pray and ask the Lord in my mind, what can I do from my point of view? I'm, I'm very, very thankful for the book that you guys have. I, I, I hate that you had to write it. I hate that you have the evidence and you live through it. But if nothing else, the Lord can use that to shout from the rooftops what's going yeah. on. Out of all people, Rob Skiba knew. He knew. He knew yes. what this whole thing was all about. And the, the problem is, I didn't. We didn't know that our local hospital had turned into a kill shelter. And that's right. what your audience. I hope they know that your local hospital is probably a kill shelter now. And I hate to say that, but it's true. I mean, and the people that are truly helping people survive, they're being kicked out of the medical uh, boards or whatever, and they're not allowed to treat people to heal them because there is a depopulation agenda. I think you spoke about it earlier about the Canaanite altars. Well, you know, the um, Georgia Guidestones got knocked over. I, I want to give Rob credit for that because he'd been, he had prayed for years for that thing to come down. Wow. The one that has how, uh, wanted to reduce our population to 500 million. Right. And they never caught anybody that did it. But I think all these um, obelisks need to come crashing down. So I also encourage you and your audience to pray for the ministering angels or however, I mean, I'm not ca calling people to violence, but I'm just saying we need to, as believers, we should, it says occupy until he comes. That's a military term. We need to quit being, you know, okay with this kind of stuff. Rob was trying to wake people up and 
And like Roberta says, you know, we we're, if we don't join together and do something, we're going to end up dying alone. That's right. You, you, said, you said something right there that I just want to echo. Sound of Freedom is coming out in, in a few days. And it was talked mm-hmm. about with the human yeah. trafficking and stuff. Yeah. And I know the people involved with it, including the lead actor, was was relating it back to Hitler's time, where you were just an innocent bystander, but you were you were silent. You were a good person, but you were silent, and you allowed evil to fester and to grow. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this is just another example of we got to be shouting like your husband was, you know, mm-hmm. shouting from the rooftops. Watching this the is the evidence. We can use your book as a reference point, you know. This is the playbook they used. It's very possible they're going to use this again. So let's not be duped again. And we have to draw a line in the sand because this, you know, I, I said this as this was going along, the censorship, censorship, the the entire world population now has a collective memory of this pandemic event. And I believe it's conditioning for the mark of the beast because what it's done now is it says, it's the Hegelian dialectic problem, problem, reaction, solution. They're going to present a problem at some point that is going to be presented with the solution of the mark of the beast. And here you have something just like that where, oh, we have to do this thing. And now humanity has a worldwide collective memory of this event that you can go, well, remember this? Well, now we have to do this thing. Now, you remember during the, the, the heat of everything, we were all going, no cash, no coins, contactless, remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So everything was going digital. Yeah. It, we've always had the digital, at least like the Apple Pay and that type of stuff. But they say that technology just jumped, sped up like 10 years or more mm-hmm. when it comes to digital payments and everybody being comfortable, you know, doing things online and contactlessly, which right. leads to your point. In, you know, the mark of the beast is tied to the monetary system of buying yeah, one, and selling and trading. One one world currency, one world government, and one world religion. Um, one thing that I, I didn't um, get a chance to, to ask more about, Sheila, was uh, the medical power attorney. And then I want to get in a little bit to, to Fauci's background, um, as ugly as that is. But how is it that that the hospital is able to run roughshod over your medical power of attorney? How is it that that they can ignore your wishes or treat it as, well, we'll consider that and not. Very good question. Oh, this is this is the person in charge here. That's you. Well, they don't they don't see it like that. But I will say they they do put all over the record wishes, patient wishes not to get remdesivir, even though they will give it to him at 11 at night while he's asleep. But I like I told you, he was. He was put in. I took him to the hospital September 3rd. And then uh, a year and a half later, find out that there was this verbal signature on three documents. And one of them being the consent document on the 7th at 1 p.m. And then on the 8th, they forced him to do something that's contraindicated, this BiPAP for four and a half hours. And then I believe injured him. Or I don't know how it went down. Maybe he was right. Yeah. He had barrel trauma and then they forced a ventilator on him. And I forget what your question was now, but where were they going? Uh, about medical power oh, attorney. Yeah, medical power of attorney. Yeah. See, they can't use his medical power of attorney unless he's unconscious. Oh, I and, see. And what's very interesting is when we went to talk to this lady just casually, 
we asked her, uh, she told us at first that she probably talked to him and that it was their procedure to record those calls, you know, for evidence to see that, you know, it was, he did give verbal consent. Well, later they wrote me two letters and they're in the book at the end of the book. And they admit that they made a mistake and they did it wrong because they didn't only uh, say that he did it. They said that the spouse did it. And then they have a witness is the one that signs the word verbal. And so it's a big game. And so, but the both of them, the, the, the supervisor and the witness both looked at my son and I when we said, why would he not sign it? Why, why wouldn't you get him to sign it? We were talking to each other on the phone. We were texting each other. We have all proof of this in our, in our call logs. Well, they both said, well, maybe he was incoherent. Well, if he was incoherent, they should have asked me because I had a journey. So it's like they, they, I don't know how to go about justice. I do know that, you know, I, I claim to be the persistent widow because there's a parable about a persistent widow who uh, the judge is ungodly and not just, but because of this widow's nagging, he does what she wants. And I know that I'm, I'm, we're going to keep being persistent until something happens. And we, we really pray that it saves lives. It wakes people up. It, it lets them see maybe their loved one didn't die of COVID. Maybe it was a murder. Yes, Most absolutely. And, and we know they padded the numbers too, right? It was, you know, the magically we had zero flu deaths that year uh -huh. and, and, and things like this. And you had that, um, I forget the guy's name, the doctor from uh, Minnesota, you know, decades of being a physician and the first time in his career, he's pressured to write a death certificate a certain way with COVID right. on there. Um, wow. Yeah. So let's talk Fauci a little bit. Okay. This guy is the biggest snake on, on the earth that I know of other than the other than Bill Gates. OK, so I'm just going to read something that, that that I wrote. Um, um, his gain of function research, mishandling of the pandemic, his entire career, really. If you go back and study what he did to um, AIDS patients, oh, HIV um, he basically took a, a chemo drug that was extremely to toxic and, and resurrected it and, and gave it to people who had no symptoms. They had HIV, which was never proven to cause AIDS, by the way. The test AIDS was like the P PCR test, by the way. The yes. test, of it, it was the same yes. exact scenario. He said and it was safe and effective. Yeah. And, and Kerry Mullis, the inventor of the PCR, said that's, yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's useless. Um, but I, so... Looking at him, I lay the blame for Rob's death squarely at his feet. And proper interventions for COVID were suppressed. And he was at the heart of that. Um, the medical oligarchy was herded into a tunnel, tunnel vision protocol. And Fauci was at the helm of that. Um, so this is my description of him. He is a liar, a murderer, a con artist. He's a self-serving sociopath. And he's a terrorist. Because yeah. what is the definition of, of, of a terrorist act is to cause fear and panic in a population. And that is exactly what they did. Mm -hmm. um, and he's responsible, and this is no exaggeration if you look at his entire career, he's responsible for the death of millions. Yeah. I mean, he is, he is a, a closet Hitler of our time mm -hmm. by what he has pushed, uh, expensive drugs and vaccines, and what he has suppressed non-patentable, inexpensive treatments. And there, and with COVID and so many other things, there were treatments that were working and he pushed those aside in order to do that. Um, and then his fingerprints are all over the gain of function research that led to the coronavirus. 
Um, something really interesting that I learned from um, towards the tail end of Robert Kennedy's book is the CEO of Moderna used to be the CEO of a um, construction company, I believe, in France. And this was the company that built the Wuhan lab. And wow. do you know what? Do you know what they left uncompleted, incomplete, in that lab? It's called a negative pressure air system. Okay. Oh, to contain now, the- I, yeah. I, I work in a pharmaceutical contract facility. I have for almost twelve years, and that is key to the functionality of of having the air pressure in the controlled suites. Okay, this is uh, GMP, uh, FDA regulated suites where you you process one you know product in one suite, and next door you've got another, but you have to keep everything separate. And so what they do is they have positive pressure in the hallways and corridors to push all of the air back into the suites and you have negative pressure in the suites so that um, any, you know, powders, particulates and so on stays in there. And they neglected to complete that. Isn't that that interesting? Premeditated. It was premeditated. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned some of the U.S. government regulations that are mandated in your job. Well, China probably doesn't have those mandates either. So, you know. Not that That's exactly one. right. That's why they move things there. There was work going on at Fort Detrick. I mean, you can read Judy Mikovits' um, mm-hmm. book and and learn about her relationship and how he ruined her career and so on. But yeah, I mean, his his track mm-hmm. record is um, it's off the charts evil. And Bill so, Gates is Pete, the same thing. So since you're talking about Fauci and yeah. we are talking about the protocols that were followed and led to deaths who was coming up with these protocols who was was fauci in combination talking to the cdc and they were the ones creating these protocols that were then followed by these hospitals i think it was the who the world health organization yes which bill gates basically runs right he funds it right yeah we have an elite medical who, Overlords. Who, who publicly yes. said he wanted to reduce the population with yes. vaccines. I mean, he publicly yes. said it just as clear as day. So, you know. You look at um, how Bill Gates uh, paints himself as this philanthropist that he saved millions of lives in Africa and so on. These so, people, uh, they're, again, you got to read the protocol that kills everybody. Okay, get it. If you if you don't want the paperback or hardcover or whatever um, on Amazon, get the get the PDF and listen to it with a speech to text thing like I did while you're you know working around the house or at work or whatever. You got to get it. But you also got to get uh, Robert Kennedy's book, The Real Anthony Fauci, because he, he has a chapter or two on Bill Gates and he's talking about. Uh, in Africa, you know, oh, we need to take care of this, this issue or that issue. And so you're going to direct all of this money It's very limited in these governments towards dealing with this issue. These people were getting free, you know, AIDS drugs or whatever, and they threw them up on the way home because they didn't have food and water. Mm-hmm. The, the things that cost pennies, they don't do, but the things that cost, you know, like in India or whatever that cost you know, six months worth of their wages, that's what they, that's what they push. That that's their narrative. 
So I think, Luke, to answer your question, yeah, the who and also I think they war game this stuff and they figure out who's going to do what and how are these things going to work. And Fauci's been pushing this whole uh, fear mongering. You know, you have, um, you know, swine flu and bird flu and all of these nothing burgers. And they, you know, they, they say, oh, 65 million dead and it ends up being 140 or something like this. They've done this over and over. And with the coronavirus, because of how transmissible it is, he hit the jackpot. And when you pad the numbers, which which they did, when you have the VAERS vaccine adverse uh, reporting system, the study shows less than 1% are reported. And when you use the protocol that kills, mm-hmm. you can create a very grim picture from something that you know, 99.7% of people survive. And there are very few doctors talking about the hospital murders, by the way, because I I watch all the Senate hearings. And that's the thing. I believe as Americans, we deserve to know the details of who wrote those and, and, and what day did they flip that switch in all the hospitals in America and how many people that were unvaccinated were forced on ventilators because they, they right. put it in the record on day one that he was at high risk for intubation. They wanted to give his lungs a little rest. That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make nope. any sense. But they got $39,000 for putting him on a ventilator. So we you, and, and you mentioned day two, the doctor. The, the, day two, the uh, doctor called me. But in the record, they wrote it on when he was admitted to the ER or, or the emergency department. They admitted patient is at high risk for intubation on, on when he just got wheeled in. But his oxygen level went from where yes. it was at to a normal level. Yes. And, yes. Was, yes. And, and we know ventilation is last resort. And Rob, you're, 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 you're at survival. If yeah. you can talk, you don't need to be on the ventilator. And it was their first it was their first way of doing things when he got there. Let's put him on the ventilator. And they were harassing him every hour. You can see it in the record. It's in the book. I mean, over and over again, one coming in, one coming out. He just said, please, let me rest. Let me sleep. I mean, they weren't, this was their goal. And and I will say one more little detail that really broke my heart too, is that once they injured him and they, I think he went down punching, they gave him so much uh, drugs. They gave him fentanyl. It's literally says maxed out on fentanyl. And I think it was propofol maxed out. Okay. He, Rob was not a, he did not like drugs. He never used drugs, but they had to max him out because he probably went down with the fight. Yeah. And so, uh, then they, they had, they had, they knocked him out so much. His blood pressure went and my mom helped me do an hourly, uh, uh vitals. Cause it wasn't in the record. We had to look for it and, you know, figure out each day and each hour it went, uh, as low as I want to say 88 over 56. And this is the first night of intubation. We might have lost him at that point. I'm, right. I'm not really sure. But the, the, the amount of drugs that they gave him, I don't know how any human could breathe with four sedatives and one paralytic. You can't breathe when you're when you're paralyzed. Right. And that's what they're expecting him to do. In the in the book, you guys mention about the, the medical system being hijacked about 20 years ago. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Well, it's it's been hijacked for quite some time. It has, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it's it's this protocol, as insidious as it is, is not necessarily unusual. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, a 2016 study by researchers at John Hopkins Medicine determined that medical errors were the third leading cause of death in America. Hmm. So it's not unusual for these kind of things 
to happen. Uh, and, you know, it's in other words, hospitals and doctors have consistently been working with patients from an allopathic standpoint yes. to ensure that they take the drug they need to solve their problem. I mean, I went to see a doctor a while back when I had some abdominal pain and he handed me a medication before he did a, a procedure on me, which fixed my problem. It was really simple. But he said, why don't you take this in between now and when I can see you again? And I said, well, I don't know what these pills are that he handed me in these white packets, but I know one thing, doc. And he said, what? I said, I know my problem is not due to a lack of a sufficient quantity of this drug in my system. <laughs> and he looked at me and he backed up a little and he said, well, yeah, you're, you're right. <laughs> but their idea is there's a drug for everything. And so they're trained, that's how they're trained. And that is how they're trained. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, I was a medic in the Air Force, as I said before earlier. And, and I, at that time, had this idea of medication for problems. I worked in intensive care uh, and I also worked ICU, but I did work primary care for a while, primary care clinic. And we had people coming in and if they had a problem, you know, they're going to walk out with a script. There's no way they're going to come in and leave without one because they'd be, be upset without one. Even if it would be a self-limiting condition, the doctor would feel that it, they'd be upset if they left with nothing. Well, because they, they programmed the, the victims, the patients. But we met a doctor, Alan, uh, we went to a conference. We met this woman from New Hampshire, a doctor, oh, an MD. Yes. Well, we went to my, Roberta is a, and I went to a conference where we were, it's a three-day conference on health and wellness and all natural means to health. And then an MD who happened to be visiting our town came down from New Hampshire and respected the teacher because she'd been to his conference before, which is surprising for an MD to do that. And uh, she came down and she said, uh, I wanted to speak to you guys for just a few minutes. He brought her up on stage and she's one of my alumni. She's been to this class before, surprisingly, again, an MD coming. And she said, um, yeah, I want to start off by saying I'm embarrassed to be one of the members of the profession that is the third leading cause of death in America. <laughs> and I was blown away that an MD would admit that. And she said, I used to pride myself in getting patients on drugs. I did. And now I pride myself in getting them off because I stumbled upon a health coach who is here in this county. I came to visit her and I heard this conference was going on with this instructor who I respect. And I wanted to come in and tell you uh, how I feel that I was wrong. I should not have been putting people on medications for every little thing. And, and that's what happened to Rob, unfortunately, is they, the first drug they gave him was a drug that would cause shortness of breath and difficulty breathing. And they said, oh, he absolutely needs it. It's the one she said was for pulmonary hypertension, which he did not have. Yeah. Now, Rob may have had double pneumonia. There's probably no question about that. Now, whether it was COVID positive or not, we don't know. But he did have double pneumonia. He did have issues with breathing. He did have a severe cough. He did have problems with his oxygen levels. He did need supplemental oxygen. But I contend that what he needed, Pete and Luke, is he needed conservative treatment, which would be Supplemental oxygen, which they did, and that started working immediately. Budesonide, nebulized, which is an outstanding steroidal drug, which is brought into the lungs and helps relieve inflammation. Uh, additional steroids, if necessary, for further inflammation. Antibiotics, if he had an, a bacterial pneumonia. And, um, and, and, and of course, ivermectin would have helped, but they were not about to give that. But if he'd have just been given what I mentioned and had his wife by his side, you mentioned the isolation yeah. loop and Pete that, you know, that, that that's worse than smoking. How many packs a day did you say? Yeah. 
Oh, so it, was, it was like 15 him. cigarettes. Yeah. So they isolate him from his wife. So he now is without hope with no one there to help feed him, bring a straw to his mouth, provide him any food. They beat him down. Uh, and, and so here they allow him to be basically starved into submission. Yeah. Uh, now, my wife is, uh, Roberta and I encountered a situation after Rob died, which was October 2021, where in February of 2022, I came down with what I think was COVID. I never got tested. I didn't need anything shoved up my nose, but I had all the symptoms. And so in, yeah, paramedic come over. in my case, I, I started having difficulty uh, breathing after a little while. I had a paramedic who came over and they here in this DFW area, Dallas Fort Worth area, they will do at home IV therapy. And so I got an IV with one gram or no, it's five grams or 10 grams of vitamin C. It was a high dose vitamin C, vitamin B complex, glutathione, glutathione yeah. zinc. Uh, and I thought, well, maybe this will help me get over this because I'm normally not ill. And mm -hmm. so he came in and did the IV. But while he's doing the IV, he says, you sound a little raspy. Let me go out and get my stethoscope and check your lungs if you don't mind. I said, no, I don't mind. So he comes back. He says, listen, let me tell you, your lower lobes, both of them have fluid in them, both lower lobes. Well, that night I ended up on the floor with a, and I ended up in my living room because I couldn't breathe. And I had 105 fever. And I ended up having to get into a downward dog position. There's actually a picture of it in the book. They insisted <laughs> I put it in there as an example of someone who is over 10 years, Rob Sr., who survived COVID at home with supplemental oxygen and was someone there who could spoon feed me yep. and give me water. Uh, now, it was tough for nine days. I was on the floor. I couldn't get off the floor. I couldn't even lay on my side. I Your had to stay. Your oxygen fell to 56. I, I was down at 56% on a oximeter blood, you know, on the uh, pulse oximeter, I had to get into a downward dog position on my elbows and knees for three days to even get enough oxygen level, uh, get above 90, let's say. Uh, and I luckily happened to own an oxygen concentrator. Not everybody can just go buy one. They're a prescription only kind of device like a CPAP machine, uh, cause they're class three medical, but, uh, F, you know, FDA class three, but we were able to get one because we are a wellness clinic and I happen to have one. And it's a five liter per minute O2 concentrator, which gets your oxygen levels up to a full of the nasal cannula oxygen up to about 40% O2, which is nearly double the ambient air oxygen level of 21%. But that's, I needed that, but I struggled. I needed a 10 liter concentrator, but I survived on it. And after nine days, I finally got off the floor. I was on 20 days on oxygen at home. And he's I, totally recovered. Look I at finally him. got off the yeah. oxygen. I'm in perfect health. I could probably run a marathon if I wanted to now. And because my lungs finally recovered. But had I gone to a hospital, my wife and I decided I'm either going to die at home or survive at home. Because I knew if I went there, even though I'm strong, I'm dedicated, I'm conscientious, I've got a medical background, I know what I don't want. I was concerned after seeing what happened to Rob. That Rob he, thought he could hold his own too. Exactly. He told him off. He, he had a band on his arm and he told him no. Remdesivir was even in the record. He finally got him to stop it. Yeah, we but, don't, and actually, we don't know who cut off Rob's band. Yeah, we don't know. Not, Enjoy. Well, here's the thing about you mentioned Pete, the power of attorney, and this is the weird part about it is Sheila mentioned earlier, her medical power of attorney would not take effect unless and until Rob was unconscious or in some other way incapable of making his own decisions. And yet yeah. they signed that form as verbal as if they got his verbal consent at the same time saying Sheila gave it, which she didn't either. At a time when they said, well, maybe he, we called you, maybe that's why we put you down because, you know, he wasn't cognizant. Well, if he wasn't cognizant, then how did he consent to be innovated? And if he wasn't cognizant and capable of making his own decisions with informed consent, then Sheila should have been called before they put him on the ventilator. Yeah. And what happened is you'll see this in the book, those who read it. She did get a phone call from the doctor. 
just before he was put on the ventilator after the four and a half hours on the BiPAP that we believe destroyed his ability to breathe. And we document that clearly in the book as to why. But she wasn't called by the doctor to ask permission. She was called by the doctor who said he has given us permission verbally. Yeah, As you said, Luke, if you can speak, yeah. you don't need to be on a ventilator. So, so the doctor said you, he verbally gave us permission. And he, you don't have a choice and we're doing it. We're going to do that, it. All he it. did is call her to inform her he's going on the vent, not to ask her because Rob had already agreed. Supposedly they wrote, they wrote that in the record that Rob said, I want to be ventilated. It's a and, big scam is what it is. Well, then how in the world could they say, well, maybe he wasn't cognizant and capable. So we called you. That's why we put yeah. down spouse. So it, it's a bit of a mess. And then after that, to your point about the medical power attorney, the moment he was ventilated, they should have immediately taken direction from her. And she pleaded for IV vitamin C. She pleaded for budesonide. Every day. She said, why are you putting him on such high doses of medications? I see his blood pressure is falling off the map. And she could see it because she got access to an online record system called MyChart, which they initially told her she would never be allowed to have access to until his discharge. Which which I knew was a lie because I take care of seniors. The charge citizens. nurse says, I can't give you access to my chart. So while Rob was still conscious during his first five days, she said, please send me the email they sent you with a code that I'm going to need so that I can get into your my chart records and follow along what they're doing. The problem with that, though, is those records are stored and then reported 24 hours later. So she was 24 hours behind the game for the full 21 days they locked her out. She could see what they did to him the day before, but right. not know what's going on that day unless she called the nurse's stations, which she did multiple times a day and plead with them to tell me, what are you giving him now? And it's all in the record too. Of wife wants budesonide. Wife keeps asking for this. Wife keeps asking for that, but they still totally ignored it. So yes. I, so even when her medical power attorney was in full effect, they still ignored her wanted. directives. And locked her out. And kept and her locked out for the 21 days. Wouldn't right? even t- take a picture. I asked uh, one day, please, can you just take a picture of him? I want to see right. what he looks like. And they said it'd be a HIPAA violation. And I contend it's not a HIPAA violation because you are allowed to. If I'm for, medical power You should be allowed to. With her being medical power of attorney, legally, she is robbed for all practical purposes. So she's taking a picture of her husband for her and she's standing in for him. Even if she wouldn't be allowed in the hospital, they should have taken a picture and sent it to her. But I don't know. That's a HIPAA violation. We can't do that. It was, uh, the scary part is who knows what they did to him. 21 days. When I finally right. got her, it was disgusting. It was so dirty. And so the room was dark. I mean, it horrified me to think anyone I had to leave because I could only be there from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. I cried every night. I couldn't leave him. It was like leaving a baby on a, a park bench. You know, it's like. Yeah. Right. And their excuse was evil. we are at so bare evil. bones with staff, a skeleton staff. We don't have many people working here. Well, then why didn't you let her in there to help feed him? They don't have housekeeping yes. coming in any longer. They didn't have anybody feeding Rob. That, he was on his own. That's another thing that you need to know is that I started, you know, I, I tried to be nice. I always said, thank you. I, I, I wanted to believe Rob was going to live and I didn't want to make anybody upset. I didn't want them to retaliate on Rob. And so I would ask these nurses about themselves. And many of them were traveling nurses. They weren't even from Dallas. They were, they were flown in from other places. And, and then uh, reading, what was her name? Erin. Uh, uh, what's her last name? Oslewski. She wrote a book and everything that I knew in my gut was confirmed in her book. And she was an undercover nurse. Uh, that's the name of her book, Undercover Epicenter Nurse. And she lays it all out of what they did. And this is in New York where they anybody who crossed the threshold were put on ventilators and killed, no matter how old they were. Well, another one's yeah. Nicole Siratek, and we have her video on our website. Under our promo video is a link to that as a further body of evidence. And her video of her testimony at the Senate hearing where she was called to present her personal testimony. And she said to Ron Johnson, who chaired the hearing, Senator Ron Johnson, I did not see one 
COVID, one patient die of COVID, but I saw a lot of patients die of medical malfeasance and negligence. And they were getting paid about four to ten thousand dollars a week. That's what motivated these people. They were getting yeah. big bucks. Yep. Um, wow. So with the time we have left, guys, this is this is so important. Um, everybody listening. Um, please share this with family and friends, share this podcast, get their book, um, take up the baton for this cause. Um, but Alan, you mentioned about allopathic care, and that's an excellent segue to what I want to get into with Rockefeller. And then uh, with the time we have left after that, if I could ask um, just how, you know, God was working in your guys' life, Sheila, just bringing you through that time. And then also, you know, what ways you have seen his hand at work as a result and bringing good out of this. And then, and then how we can partner with you and kind of take up uh, Rob's legacy. Um, but I want to read something from Robert Kennedy's book um, on Rockefeller. And he has a connection to, I'm going to assume is a, a great grandfather, maybe or grandfather of Bill Gates himself. Um, and this was, uh, let's see here, Frederick Taylor Gates. Okay. So they were connected, John D. Rockefeller and he. So right after the, the turn of the 20th century, um, so Rockefeller was, uh, in, in charge of uh, standard oil. They had 90% of the U S oil production. Okay. He was the richest man in world history in today's dollars. It would be half a trillion. And uh, in the 1900s, scientists discovered pharmaceutical uses for refinery byproducts. Mm -hmm. So John's, John D. saw an opportunity to capitalize on the family's medical pedigree. At the time, nearly half the physicians and medical colleges in the U.S. Um, practice holistic or herbal medicine. So it's very different than today, right, where, where it's dominated by MDs. And I forget the author, but if you guys want to Google uh, the MD Emperor Has No Clothes, that's a, a free um, uh, ebook that you can get. That was really good. Um, so it was herbalist, it was holistic, and it was, you know, pharma practice. So Rockefeller and Andrew Carnegie, Carnegie, the big steel robber baron, dispatched educator Abraham Flexner on a cross-country tour to catalog the status of America's centralizing of America's medical school. And again, what we're talking about, this whole thing is centralized planning, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Abolish, abolishing miasma theory, and we'll get into what that is, and reori reorienting, boy, I can't talk today, reorienting these institutions paradigm that emphasize targeting particular genes with specific drugs rather than <clears throat> fortifying the immune system through healthy living, clean water, and good nutrition. With that narrative in mind, Rockefeller financed the campaign to consolidate mainstream medicine, co-opt the burgeoning pharma pharmaceutical industry, and shutter its competition. Now, I'll pause there briefly. Remember the famous quote from John Rockefeller, competition is a sin. Oh. And, so, and so their playbook is to grease the skids uh, hand in glove. I mean, you look at the f uh, pharmaceutical uh, reps and and 
and higher ups and they then years later they sit on the FDA or vice versa like they're they're all part of the same incestuous relationships so he, he brought about that push towards MDs and using the pharmaceutical industry and you know probably even outlawing things like you know marijuana which has many medicinal uses right they don't want cheap things and even um, I think it was Merck uh, had the patent on ivermectin. I could be saying that wrong, but when that patent ran out, then they had no no use for it anymore. They wanted to push something else that was far more dangerous. But they used to tout how how excellent it was. I mean, they take they take that in Africa as a prophylactic weekly. It's so safe and effective. So the miasma versus the germ theory uh, emphasize. preventing disease by fortifying the immune system through nutrition and reducing exposure to environmental toxins and stresses. Okay. And if you recall, uh, Louis Pasteur on his deathbed, he agreed with a colleague that he used to disagree with about the germ theory. And he recanted of that Pasteur did. He said, the microbe is nothing. The terrain is everything. That's right. And so this is the system that Rockefeller built. And I just want to briefly tie that into, again, the days of Noah. So you guys can look this up about, about satanic bloodlines, uh, Fritz Springmeier's book, you know, I mean, Dr. Laura Sanger has termed them Nephilim hosts. Basically they are psychopathic people who partner with evil on a large scale and, and whether or not Rockefeller and some of these other, you know, Rothschild, some of these have actual Nephilim DNA, I don't know, but they are definitely part of that satanic agenda. And you look at the damage, the enslavement that he has caused through the Federal Reserve System, putting us all under the slavery of debt, and then in the same decade, beginning this push towards a medical uh, totalitarian system that 100 years later... Fauci is at the helm of, and that's it's where we are. enslavement because people it's are also addicted. enslavement. Yes, you know. yes. You know, I mean, you look at the health of children and the, the chronic conditions and the amount of uh, vaccine doses on the schedule compared to even when Luke and I were kids. I mean, it's like five times as many. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that is the system we are up against, but... If you guys want to comment on that, great. Otherwise, I wanted to ask um, how you guys have seen God at work bringing you through that dark time, Sheila, and then afterwards. Well, I'll just give one little thing. You know, Rob was always encouraging people to uh, pray to the Father for tangible ways that they could see him or know that he was there or, you know, guiding him. And, and, and the Father would always do it, like with a song on a radio or whatever. When you're tuned into his frequency, He'll speak to you, to anyone who's open with that frequency open. And so after Rob died, um, well, first of all, I I was believing, I never thought it was going to be the end of Rob. He had so much work to do. He was about to touch his dream with this TV series. And I just thought, okay, well, the the scripture saying Rob and I, when we first married, believed in the greater things, raising the dead, healing the sick, casting out demons. So I got people that I knew had faith to believe. And we tried to, we tried to pray and get up, you know? And uh, anyway, I had a friend that knew that we were with this mindset and she said, 
why would God raise Rob? And I felt like it was a slap in my face, like, mm. who better? Why not? It says to do it. Why aren't we doing it? And so after that, he dies, and I'm looking in the scripture. Where is that scripture when he asks, will I find faith in the earth? Because I want to be counted as yes. And and this is the father giving me a kiss. It's in a, It's in Luke 18, and the name of that section is the persistent widow. That is where that verse is. It's at the very end of that parable. And I didn't even consider myself a widow, but I thought, okay, father, this is something from you. This is a gift. And and not to mention the 40 days, that's a very biblical number. I have to think that there's a greater purpose. You know, Rob was on a quest for truth, no matter where it took him. And unfortunately it, this quest took him to his death, but you know what? He's more alive than we are. Yeah. And I rest knowing that. And, and I also know that we're a lot closer to the reset of Yeshua than it, than we are than we ever have been. So, so that's what I Yeah. And, and what have you seen since as you're getting the word out about the book and, you know, people are telling their stories, you know, God promises in his word to work all things for good. That doesn't mean everything is good. It means he, he is able to bring about as the master, you know, 4d chess player, uh, bring about good is there an anecdote or two that you have, uh, any of you three, about since this tragedy, what happened to Rob and all you've been through, um, that you've seen just amazing things? And I know there's a ton of things yet to come that we haven't seen yet. Well, there was a friend of mine just before Rob was buried, actually the night before we were to go to the cemetery, that was telling Sheila that she felt in the spirit that there were these light beams. She said, I see light beams coming into the back of your head from heaven. And on those light beams, I hear this man's voice saying, you can do it. Uh, believe in God, trust in God and trust yourself. You can do it. And just multiple light beams. Well, the next day we go to the cemetery to bury Rob. And, uh, and still believing for him to be raised. Right, we had a shofar. Yeah. We had a shofar still, believing. We're still raising the dead <clears throat> out of obedience. And, you know, Lazarus was raised after four days when Yeshua raised himself and he took those that were in Abraham's bosom. He raised people that had been dead for thousands yeah. of years, yeah. like Moses and David. And he, he raised them and yes. they were the first fruits. Well, we we're believing in second fruits. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't matter how much time goes by. So we were there and Sheila's taking pictures. Her mom's taking pictures and we're praying, we're on our knees, and we're just believing in great things to still come. And after they went home, we went home, Sheila sends me the pictures. This was like a week later. I, I just happened to get my mom's pictures and mine, and every single photograph has a beam of light coming right. out of um, this. It's above uh, the sun. It's amazing. Usually light beams come from the sun, but this was a beam coming from above the sun, through the sun, onto the plot where we were burying Rob. All of these light beams. It was just amazing. And, and that was then, very encouraging. Yeah. yeah, very encouraging. But since then what? And since then she's seen many more light oh, yeah. beams over her house. But but the persistent widow, it says, uh, justice comes quickly. That's why I appreciate you having us on your show because there is a strategy that's above the enemy's strategy that right. I know our creator is using us. We have his spirit. We should be the most creative. We should be the most, you know, um, we should be occupying. We should be in control of, of the situation. And that's what I, 
encourage people is, you know, he told us raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons. We are supposed to be his ambassadors. You know, uh, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Rob believed that he really yes. did. And we could transport. I mean, he believed in the supernatural. And I encourage people that are living in this very dark time to go back and read those words, those red words, because he told us over and over again, that's what we're supposed to be doing. No, it's right. Word that comes alive when somebody is suffering. It just it blooms. So here we are. We're believing that the blood cries out. Abel's blood was crying out. Mm -hmm. All these people who have been murdered around the world because in the name of COVID with the mRNA and all these other poisons in the hospitals, their blood is crying yes. out. And what are we told? And I think in the book of Revelation that the saints under the throne of God at his feet, mm -hmm. they're crying out. And what How are they long? crying out? How, How long? long? How oh, long Lord. are you going to let They have song? a voice. They're not sleeping in the grave. Mm -hmm. They're crying out. They're in unison with us. Yeshua prayed in the garden before he died. Uh, Father, I just pray that they will be one like we are one. So even across the veil, we're still we're one with the saints who are crying out. How long, oh, Lord? And we're crying out. Mm -hmm. We're yes. in unison. So yes. there's a battle going on for justice on in heaven and on and earth. here. We Absolutely. And that and that justice yeah. will come quickly. Woo. Yes. And that and that ties in again. The days of Noah are coming back because you look at the account in the book of Enoch and it talks about humanity just crying out to God the terror that they were dealing with in yes. that so-called golden age, how right. they were subjugated yeah. by by the Nephilim. Absolutely awful. And, I mean, and look, look, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I was just going to say. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. I was just going to say, Revelation, men's hearts will fail them for mm -hmm. fear. I mean, there, there's an unprecedented time coming, and this is the system that that they are building. But God is a step ahead every mm -hmm. time, and we need to be faithful to him and hear his voice and know that, uh, as you guys were just saying, we are meant to be in charge, in control, the word mistranslated deliberately by King James is ecclesia, a ruling council. We're meant to be a ruling council, his assembly. And that is that is a governmental term. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. So to wrap up, um, how can we uh, further support, you know, Rob's mission? Uh, what he was working on, the legacy that he had. I mean, what's happening with with his work? How else can we partner with you guys? I mean, we'd, we'd be happy to have you back anytime that you'd like. First, I would say go to the protocol that kills.com. And even if they just watch the three minute promo, um, you're going to get an education. But there's so much content on that website. They can if they want to connect with us, there's contact forms. They can send us a message. Um, also, um, yes. And, um, we also have resources. Uh, we were connected and we found this out after publishing the book. We may end up putting it in later, but there are also resources of documents that you can actually have signed, notarized, even couriered in case God forbid any of us have to go to the hospital. I'm sure you probably can understand that the, the first thing they're going to do is try to give you the jab. So the, this is a proactive thing to do to have ready. God forbid anybody have to go. You need those ready in your hand and also a couple of your family members or somebody that believes like you do to be threatening 
so that they don't do what they did to Rob. Because I didn't have that. I didn't have, yeah. you know, I'm going to, the CEO has been delivered a uh, this document. And if you don't obey this, we're going to sue you later. See, I didn't have any of that. So there's that. But there's also with the other projects, um, Seed was the big, the biggest one. The book was first to get off. I felt like if the roles were reversed, Rob would have done that. He would have written a book to expose the depth of this uh, medical tyranny. But uh, my son has also kind of stepped up to the plate and he does a show every Friday and it's called Skiba News Nation, him and Jake Grant. And they uh, they expose current news history and it has a little uh, part that's kind of, you know, levity. It brings some laughter into it, but um, because it is so such a dark time. So there's that. Skiba News Nation on Friday at 444. Um, I'm always, I try to be in the chat. And then um, Seed is our next um, thing that we're trying to get finished. Not the whole series, but we're working on the comic book first. He was okay. only lacking two pages to get the episode uh, two done. And, and then we're just going to keep going. We're going to get as much done as we can. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, well, I, I'm revisiting some of uh, Rob's old uh, um, presentations on YouTube and, and loving that stuff. And boy, I'd love, I'd love to connect with, uh, with your son too. Uh, maybe in- invite him onto our show or, or vice versa or whatever. That'd be great. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, this was an absolute pleasure um, and privilege. So yes, everyone listening, please um, go to Amazon, buy their book, get the PDF if you want something instant and, and a little cheaper. Maybe you can you can do the text-to-speech thing that I did so uh, you can listen to it while you're doing other things. Helps me get through books faster. Um, but leave them a five-star review. Um, leave us a five-star review on this podcast as, as well. Share this episode with family and friends. Um, these are not popular opinions. Uh, I, th- I think of, uh, if you guys have heard of Mark Dice, the conservative, um, guy on YouTube that has, you know, more, more subscribers than CNN and all the, all the big guys put together. But I think he's got a shirt and it says, um, warning contains facts and opinions that some may find offensive. (laughs) So, uh, I said to Alan, when we were doing a test the other day, I said, Alan, let's, oh, I can't remember what I said, but you're like, oh, well, if you put this on YouTube, that'll get you a strike. And I said, Alan, I said, let's make a goal of, uh, let's get a hundred strike worthy things in our, in our two hours together. But probably accomplish that. Well, yeah. Jesus had 40 last one. Paul took it too. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. But um, any anything else you guys want to say? I just, I'm just uh, very humbled and honored to have you with us and, and privileged to get to share your message and honor Rob too. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks for having us here. We want to, we want to start a movement. We want people to stand up against this madness. If this needs to stop, this protocol needs to stop. They need to stop incentivizing things that are causing death and the incentives will continue. Although they did say in the federal government, you know, month or so ago that, you know, a couple of months ago that the pandemic is over. And so that may have ended some of these hospital incentives, but it's still not going to end the protocol. The protocol is still in place. They're still going to blindly be following it. And so you could have a fall at home, uh, maybe break an arm, have to go to a hospital. Next thing you know, they shove something up your nose and said, guess what you have and guess what you need. And they did mm. that to a 
next thing you know, you're on that bullet train to the morgue. And so you got to be really, really cautious. And that's what this book was written for, was to be a warning of a clear and present danger in as explicit a way as we could. And, and I'll just say this, that you can read this book. It's a long book. I admit that. It's a two pound, eight and a half by 11, you know, inch and a half thick book. But you can read it as a true crime docudrama by just reading the story and skipping the legal counsel statements if that's a bit too heavy for you. And then you're just reading 40 days of what happened to Sheila. Or as a legal brief, you could just skip through the, the docudrama and read the 130 legal counsel statements that include the over 100 citations I mentioned and see what was really going on behind the scenes. Or read it as a body of evidence by just reading the appendices that cover 12 pages of incriminating key facts that we would have presented to a court in Appendix A of what happened to Rob. And you just read that, it'll be a big eye opener for you. And that's just one appendices of multiples. Or read it as a complete day-by-day chronology of the 40 days that Rob spent as a victim of the protocol with Sheila trying her best to advocate for him. And then just read one day per day with the legal counsel statements embedded and the references to the appendices as needed. And in 40 days, you'll be through the book and you'll be fully aware of what's going on. Yeah, that'll give you that intense, heartfelt feeling if you did one day like Sheila had to live it through one day. There you go. One day per if day. If you want to get in touch with Sheila, you can go to theprotocolthatkills.com and fill out the form. And we're always looking for uh, people with uh, passion yeah. or interviews and you can reach her there. For strategies. I mean, you right. know, Rob was a do-it-all kind of person. He had his hands on so many projects at one time. I'm I'm trying my best to catch up. I mean, I'm not ever going to be like as good as he is, but I'm looking for strategies. I know there's a, a certain way to get it out exponentially. I don't feel like I'm there yet. And so I invite you or your guests or anybody who th- who love Rob or maybe didn't even know him that has a passion, if, if they can contact me and help us get this message out. Oh, absolutely. And, and continue his work too. Yeah. yeah. I would, I would yeah. love to, to collaborate and see if there's anything, Awesome. you know, uh, God gave us this, this podcast idea last October when we, um, when we got into, uh, Luke showed me a show called blurry creatures about, you know, a couple of guys looking into the, the giants and Bigfoot and other weird supernatural things. And so we, we just wanted to talk about these things and yeah, Rob's, message his interview with Tim Bentz are are central to that so I would love to to take up the baton as as much as we can and do that that very same thing um could I ask uh, one of you or, or or I can do it uh, I think we should just invite you know the power of God into this effort uh, with a prayer if someone wouldn't mind leading yes thank you father so much for uh, Pete and Luke and uh, the team that you're putting together to take down the enemy's uh, strategies, because you said that we are to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And I ask for the knowledge that you want to give us. You said, if you lack wisdom, ask. So we're asking for wisdom today. Uh, we want to be your uh, on the front lines. Uh, even Rob said, hey, coach, put me on the front line. And he mm-hmm. was on the front line uh, and he was right there and, and fighting the battle all the way to the end. And we're picking up the baton and we're, we're asking, Father, that you give us a strategy that would um, bring home this um, this um, project of taking down the enemy. So I thank you worldwide. We ask for worldwide peace, the Prince of Peace to come into every nation, to every leader, 
to uh, all the grassroots people that you will come and show yourself as being the strong one, the strong warrior. And we thank you that you are a loving God, loving King. Your name is Yahuwah, and we love you. We love your son, Yeshua. And we just thank you that you are the one in control. The just judge. Yes, you are the just judge. And we're coming to your throne asking for your mercy. Yes. And we ask this in your son's name, Yeshua. Amen. 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 Thanks, guys. This was great. Awesome. I just want to share one thing. Um, I know your husband was a blessing to us. And um, and and God is just, you know, we have family everywhere as believers, and uh, it's just an honor to meet you and to to meet you guys, Alan and your wife, and and it's just, you know, it's like our family has grown, you know, by by uh, by this time together, and um, so you're definitely going to be in our thoughts and prayers continually, and uh, let's link arms. So, thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you. All right, there's a couple of things I wanted to mention. So I just wanted to mention that Fauci and Trump went to Jesuit schools. So I think oh, Jesuits man. have something to do with it. The other thing I wanted to mention, you would seek it out. Seek it out. They're brothers. So there, there's a, there are brothers like Masonic brothers. There's Jesuit brothers and the elite who's ruling. Now I believe that it's not just swab What's his Schwab. name? Yeah, Klaus Schwab. Klaus Schwab with the reset. Yeah. He got that idea from our new king, Charles. That's his oh. baby, the reset. He's the king. He's the king. Now, when he was prince, there was the Commonwealth. Just right before his mother died, they had a Commonwealth parade, a Commonwealth Games. And at the Commonwealth Games, if you haven't seen it, you want to look it up on YouTube. They brought in this huge bull, and there was a woman riding mm. the bull, the beast. Yeah. Is the beast system, and they had 70 nations present, and they had everyone bowing down. They got these lights, these meteors, they, they landed in their hand, and they were all bowing to the beast system and the king to be. So now we have the king to be. I think two days ago, maybe yesterday, he pushed the button for the countdown of 2030. Mm. Well, what's going to happen in 2030? That's only seven years. So we just came to the tail end of the good seven years, the fatic cows. Now we're going to come into the seven bad years. Wow. That could be a period of tribulation like we've never seen. And so he's pushed that button. Did you see that? Physically, no. you could see him doing it on YouTube. I saw it last night. Oh, Roberta, you're starting another episode here. Uh, I'm going to have to... Right. I'll have you guys... The whole time I've had a hard time keeping my mouth shut. No, I love this. Yeah. I yeah let's talk let's let's, right. let's let's get you back <laughs> yeah. oh that's that's fantastic i've been i've been hearing rumors of this we just had luke and i and uh rod from the millennial mustard seed podcast and enoch who does a show on rumble called the rundown of our reality we're just having a chat uh thursday night and enoch started bringing up stuff about yeah chaos is starting like Oh, it's like now. Now, right now and into next year. And I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. And yeah, we're going so digital. I, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I'm hearing these yep, things. Yep. I would love to, yeah, love to pick your brain uh, yeah, on more of that stuff. That little piece right now to Enoch that what we just talked about and see What's if you can start stirring the, what we just now for two minutes have been talking about, talking about yep. to the guys that you're talking about, Enoch, whoever that is. Yes. Yeah. Um, he, Enoch has a show called The Rundown yeah. of Our Reality yeah, so on Rumble. 
Yeah, run it by him, the Jesuits, uh, the king, Charles being the new king of the world. I mean, he's presenting himself that way. He's been acting that way under covers. His whole family believed they came from the line of the king of David. Okay. Okay. So they've been acting this way as the king of the world for a long time, but now the veil is just ripped away, and now we see who he is. He could be the Antichrist. There's... There's something very interesting, too, about the Jesuits, because um, I I believe by, like, Catholic rules or whatever, they're not supposed to be popes, and yet the current pope is a Jesuit. He's not not supposed to be. And then what was the prophecy of somebody had, like, 500 years of popes predicted? Um, Thomas Horne talked about that. And this is the last one. This is the last one. Tom Horne. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And he's going to die in front of the Vatican, they say, and, or he's going to be walking over dead bodies and then he will die and then he will be maybe resurrected. Yeah, we're coming into some really good stuff. Oh, man. <laughs> we know the end. Yeah, that's that's what's so great. We're almost here. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to post this as a post show role. <laughs> if you don't mind, because this is good stuff. Exciting. Yeah. Is that all right? That's sudden, sudden destruction will come upon them. That's what Yeshua yeah. says. Sudden destruction. It's not going to come slowly. It's going to be a big bang. And the tears go first. And the tears. Yeah, because they're not ready for it. No, they're, yeah, they're not ready. ready. No, it's the first that's supposed to be awake and ready for the return. It's it's coming like a thief for them. You remember yeah. Yeshua yeah. said that Amen. it would be not just like the days of Noah, but he said, the only sign I'm going to give you is a sign of Jonah, Jonah. Where, where he was going to be in the belly of the earth for three days. And then he's going to come out with everybody. Mm-hmm. But it's not just that. What did Jonah do when he came out of the belly of the bait fish? He went to Nineveh. Nineveh mm-hmm. was a Gentile nation. So what happened when Yeshua came out of the earth? The gospel went to the nations, to the Gentile mm-hmm. nations. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it came back to the homeland. So here we are. We're coming. All the nations have heard about Mm -hmm. Yeshua, the Gentile nations. That's Mm -hmm. the sign. Mm -hmm. That's a huge sign that Yeshua said he would fulfill. It's being fulfilled. It's done. The Gentile, the end of the Gentile era is here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. return, so we need to yeah. have some the gospel will be preached to every yeah. creature. And then and then the focus is the, the bride is removed. Amen. For the remnant remain, the focus will be back on Israel again. The That's time right. of Jacob's there trouble. There are ten yeah. versions. Five get to go into the kingdom right away because yeah. they had enough oil. You know, as I was growing up, I was taught that that oil was the Holy Spirit. I don't think so. You either have the Holy Spirit or you don't. You can't have a little bit of the Holy Spirit. You have to have all of him. So I think it's really the faith. There was five who had enough faith to go into the marriage supper of the lamb. Five had to stay, but they weren't told. I never knew you. What Yeshua said in the parable was go away, be be watching, because when I come, don't be sleeping this time. Have enough faith because I'm coming for you. But they're going to have to go through. Those five are going to have to go through it. It seems like there's going to be a split in the believers. Mm, Five who are ready, the other five who are going to have to be taught. And maybe that has something to do with the falling away. I I don't see how you can be 
a, a Christian and start to understand the things that you just unpacked briefly, bird's eye in the last five, 10 minutes and not be excited. Like this is more exciting than any, you know, Hollywood Lord of the Rings. This is real. The truth is stranger than fiction. And, you know, Christianity gets painted as, oh, narrow minded or, you know, cheesy Sunday school songs. You know, Jesus loves me. And Satan is scared to death of the words of faith from a little child. I think that's why Rob was taken out because he was literally he had just been a hundred thousand on a teaser for seed. It, It was done. It was amazing. And he was about to touch his dream because technology today allows you to do all that he wanted to do. He has every single episode, 72 episodes outlined. They're already outlined on seven scripts are written, but he was ready to make that because media is what changes people's thinking. He was hoping it would reprogram people to see, like you said, this is the best story that hasn't been told yet because they've been putting what they want to see manifest on the screen. Another son of another God saves the world. All these superheroes. Garbage. Right. Superheroes. Exactly. And it's, and it's, Rob gets to see his superhero. That's right. Well, I wouldn't believe he's still coming back well, yeah. to, to help because that, that was his baby. And he, but you know, he has I'll reached, do what I can. He did reach his dream. Well, more than the seed. I mean, this is beyond. It, I mean, it is. Even Paul, when Paul was stoned, I think he was stoned to death and he was caught up into the third heaven. He saw things that when he got resurrected, that he wasn't allowed to tell because it was so great. But when he went to Rome and his, his, um, his followers said, please don't go. They're going to kill you. He thought, well, what's the downside to that? Yeah, because he had I've seen already it. seen heaven. I'm anxious to get back. I fought yeah. a good fight. My job here is done. Now I have to do general work up there because I don't think they sleep and slumber. And no. I don't think they're no. playing harps necessarily mm-hmm. and, and uh, sipping mint juleps in a hammock. Yeah, no. Now, that's not happening. They're working really hard because I told mm-hmm. Sheila, I said, if what do you think Yeshua is doing? If we are in him and the Messiah at the right hand of the father, we are not unconscious. We are working alongside Yeshua, joint heirs with him. We have full capabilities with him. We're in agreement with him in unison one doing the work of the father up there. Mm -hmm. And they are motivating us here Mm -hmm. because we have one mind. We put on the mind of Christ. They have the mind of Christ. Mm -hmm. There's that frequency. Mm -hmm. We're forever connected with the saints. Right. We are a powerful enemy of the devil. Yeah. And And I, yeah, it's the divine worldview, divine council worldview. We're, we're part of that divine council. We are. are. And we're in unison. We just need to take our authority and, and realize who we are. So they are waiting for us because I think that the motivation that happens here is when we open our mouths Mm -hmm. and then they come running. Right. Because that's the dominion that we have on the earth is that that God acts when we invite. Right. right? Because he created it that way. Yep. We wonder, Alan has asked me, we, we have these kind of conversations daily as why would God handcuff himself to our obedience? But he has. He because he wants to make a, he wants to bring us into the fight mm-hmm. bring us into agreement being one his bride being one with him and as he speaks we speak Yeshua said he didn't speak anything he didn't see the father doing he didn't speak anything and he didn't see it more to yeah. be the same way he likes the creativity he doesn't want robots yeah he wants right. us all in unison so I pitch I picture father God with his 
children, the church, the bride, kind of like a parent would be with a child. Yeah, you're yeah. handcuffing yourself, but yeah. you're allowing your child to learn and to grow in maturity right? and to experience the victories and the struggles mm -hmm. as you're supervising. Yeah. You yeah. know, right, and, right. And, and that's, and that's what he's, he's doing with his, his bride. And sometimes we don't understand it. You know, it's like, why do you allow the enemy to rampack right. me? You know, mm -hmm. it's like, well, okay. So, so yeah. much of, um, church doctrine and and misunderstanding and people walking away from their faith and so on and and the hard questions of pain and suffering in the world could be understood right there if you understood the, how the sovereignty of god works it is not micro deterministic i'm sorry um uh you know to those that that believe in that deterministic view um, J John Piper is one that thinks he controls every atom, every molecule. Sovereignty is overall, but it is not a micromanaging control. And for whatever reason, God is showing his glory through how humanity acts on the earth. And he is very self-limiting in that way, but right, he will accomplish it. There's a reason for this. I believe it is to show the enemy's camp. Mm -hmm. How he can take a handful of dirt, mm -hmm. breathe life into it, and they will worship him willingly, and we're just a handful of dirt. And yet the others are angelic beings inhabiting humans, and they say, and I think that we confound the wise, right? He said mm -hmm. he takes the abased things, mm -hmm. the pile of dirt, to confound those who think that they are shimmering lights, yeah. angel, angelic beings. And the scientists. So this is why it's humbling for the angelic world it that is. It has gone rogue and to evil, fight against us. <laughs> evil loves to flex its muscles, doesn't uh -huh. it? And show how strong it is. And like right. God, God with this still small <laughs> voice is like light years above power yeah. wise. Well, yeah, oh, we could talk all day, guys. Yeah, we could. We could. <laughs> well, you, you guys have you guys have awesome Fourth of July weekend, and uh, we'll be in touch. All right. Okay. Thank Freedom. you. You too. Yeah, nice Freedom. to meet you. Yes. God bless you. Thank you. All right. God bless you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Days of Noah podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this part two of The Protocol That Kills. Remember to check out theprotocolthatkills.com and support Alan, Roberta, and Sheila by picking up a copy of their book. Remember also to like, share, and subscribe and follow us on your favorite podcast platform to make sure you're alerted to new episodes as they come out. And also take a minute to leave us a review or even just click five stars. That really does help grow the channel. And if you wouldn't mind considering also supporting our podcast, it does take a lot of time and effort to put these episodes together. And we want to keep that going and keep the quality high. So click the listener support link at the bottom of the description and choose a support level.
We appreciate each and every one of you out there. Take care and God bless and see you next week.